I received an email from Asher S., who said, I've been enjoying your podcast for several years. Even when the topics aren't directly relevant to my situation, it's always good to see what I can apply from your advice. I have two questions about the UTMA I set up for my one-year-old daughter. First, when, if ever, can a parent withdraw funds from a UTMA? And second, where can I invest those funds so she gets better returns than from a savings account? Thank you so much for being a longtime listener and sending in your questions, Asher. I'll answer them and explain what families should know about UTMA and UGMA accounts for minors. So if you're a parent or you plan to start a family someday, don't miss this show. Hey, everyone, I'm Laura Adams, a personal finance expert who's been hosting the Money Girl podcast since 2008 with over 40 million downloads. I'm also the author of several books, including my most recent title, which was a number one Amazon new release called Money Smart Solopreneur, a personal finance system for freelancers, entrepreneurs and side hustlers. If you're building a business or ready to earn more income, Grab a copy. You can get it as a paperback, ebook, or audiobook. And if you're enjoying the show, or maybe you have a money question just like Asher, or a topic suggestion, you can leave a message 24 7 by calling 302 364 0308. And lauradadams.com is my personal site where you can use my contact page and learn more about my work, books, and money courses. So let's start by just getting an overview of what are these UGMA and UTMA accounts. These were created for minors because minors typically can't own assets in their name. However, certain states have adopted laws that allow a custodian to hold assets for a minor until they become an adult. And that's usually 18 or 21. It really just depends on the state where you live. It's a little different in each state. So parents can transfer assets to children using one of these custodial accounts without having to create a formal trust. The one Asher mentioned, the UTMA, they get their name from the Uniform Transfers to Minors Act. And UGMA stands for Uniform Gifts to Minors Act. And a UGMA only allows financial assets. So things like stocks, bonds, mutual funds, those are the only types of assets you can put in a UGMA to be held for a minor beneficiary. And those are available nationwide. Every state uh, has a UGMA option. But a UTMA is a little different because it allows financial and physical assets. So in addition to the stocks and bonds and mutual funds, you can put in actual tangible assets like real estate, precious metals, fine art, even intellectual property. And that type of account is available in every state except South Carolina. My research uh, didn't show that South Carolina has yet ratified this. Plus, a UTMA may allow you to maintain custodianship until the beneficiary is a little bit older, until they reach age 25, depending, again, on where you live, because the laws regarding minors and the age of majority varies a little bit from state to state. 
So these two accounts are are pretty similar, but they do have a few things that differentiate them. And any adult resident of the United States can open and contribute to a UGMA or UTMA for a minor. So the custodian named on the account and the person making the gift or the transfer, they can be the same person or they can be different people. Basically, the custodian is the person who manages the funds or manages the investments or other assets in the account, but the minor beneficiary always legally owns those accounts. So the custodian is just kind of safeguarding them until the minor child reaches the age of majority. Now, Asher asked, when can a parent withdraw funds from a UTMA? The funds from either a UTMA or UGMA can only get spent directly to benefit the child. So let's say a child has health care bills or maybe the child wants to go to college or you want to spend them on private school for the child. Those are acceptable reasons that you can withdraw money from these custodial accounts. But you cannot withdraw funds that help you, or you can't use the money for things you're legally obligated to pay anyway. So you can't use that money to pay your mortgage, nor can you, you know, use it to go grocery shopping. These are all things that a parent would have to pay for anyway. So they're not directly benefiting the child. Also note that assets in a UTMA or UGMA are irrevocable. So that means once you put them in, you cannot take them back. Once you transfer them legally to that beneficiary minor child, it becomes their property. Again, you are just the custodian watching over these assets for the benefit of the child. A UTMA or a UGMA custodian has a fiduciary duty to manage the account assets for the minor's best interests, and they need to do that until the child reaches the age of majority. And since the beneficiary minor owns those assets in these custodial accounts, the account information gets reported to the IRS under the child's social security number. Therefore, with help from their parent or the account custodian, the minor has to report any income and pay income taxes due on any investment earnings in these custodial accounts. So that's an overview of how they work. Now I want to dig in a little bit deeper and talk about five pros and cons for using these accounts to save and invest for a child. So we'll talk about the the benefits first. And the first benefit is that you get to invest in many asset types. Now Asher asked where to invest his daughter's UTMA funds to get higher returns than he could get from a savings account. Asher, you can choose a wide range of assets, particularly with a UTMA, because as I mentioned, they allow you to transfer financial and physical assets into these accounts for a minor. So you can have investments in a UTMA like CDs, stocks, bonds, options, mutual funds, exchange-traded funds, real estate, vehicles, collectibles, precious metals, intellectual property, life insurance, and annuities. I mean, a really wide range of, uh, of assets. And UTMA and UGMA accounts, they get set up by brokerage firms and banks. 
So your investment options may be limited by the financial institution or the brokerage that you choose, like a Vanguard or an E-Trade. So if the custodial account that you've opened doesn't have the types of investments that you want to get higher returns than, you know, simply a bank savings account, you may want to consider opening an account with another firm. There's no limit on the number of custodial accounts you can open for a minor, uh, but you could just begin, you know, putting assets in a different account so that you've got different investments to choose from if you're not satisfied with the investments that you're, you're currently offered. All right, the second benefit to using the accounts is having custodial control. So until a UTMA or UGMA beneficiary reaches adulthood, the custodian or parent has full control of the account. They're going to make investment decisions, and you're going to determine any special circumstances where the money may get withdrawn for the minor's benefit. However, every asset within the account is owned by the minor, so you can't ever forget that. And, you know, for most adults, most parents, that can give you peace of mind that a child will benefit from your contributions once they become an adult. It's going to transfer into their name directly, you know, no questions asked. So having that custodial control is a benefit, I think. The third benefit is not being subject to annual contribution limits. So a primary benefit of using these custodial accounts is that you can give a child as much money or assets as you want because there's no annual limit on the dollar amount of any gifts or transfers that you can make. However, I will say that amounts over $17,000 given by an individual or $34,000 for a married couple filing taxes jointly are subject to the federal gift tax. However, most Americans avoid paying that gift tax due to something called the lifetime gift tax exclusion. That gives you a credit of up to $12.92 million for 2023. So that means you can give gifts valued at up to $12.9 million over your lifetime without owing any gift tax. So unless you're pretty darn wealthy, that gift tax is really not going to affect you. And a fourth benefit of these custodial accounts is that the beneficiary has funds they can use for any purpose. Unlike a college savings plan, you've heard me talk a lot about 529 college savings plans, a UTMA or UGMA beneficiary can use the funds or assets for any purpose. They might use it for education if they wish, but they can also use it to buy a car or a house or, you know, just keep it invested. And once the minor reaches adulthood, they own the account assets and can spend them any way they like. I mean, it could be even going on a vacation, really anything. It's their money. And as I mentioned, a UTMA or UGMA custodian can only withdraw funds for purposes that directly benefit the beneficiary. All right, the fifth benefit of these custodial accounts is getting tax efficiency. Since the minor beneficiary of a UTMA or UGMA owns it, income generated in the account typically gets taxed at the what, what's called the kitty tax rate. So instead of the parent's tax rate, which can reduce taxes. And here's how the kitty tax rate works. The first $1,250 of a minor's income is tax-free. 
and the next $1,250 gets taxed at the child's tax rate, which is likely very, very low. I mean, it's probably like 10% because they're probably not making uh, much more than this income from the the, uh, custodial account. Then any income above $2,500, that income gets taxed at the parent's tax rate. So basically, you're getting, you know, kind of a tax break on that first $2,500 of income that's going to be taxed, um, you know, at a very low rate. All right, so those are the main benefits for using UTMA and UGMA accounts. Let's switch gears and talk about the downsides of these accounts. There are always pros and cons with every type of account out there, and it's just really important to understand the benefits and the drawbacks, so you can really compare your options when you're looking to save and invest for kids. So the first downside is one that I already mentioned, and that's making irrevocable contributions or transfers. The minor beneficiary always owns what's in a UTMA or a UGMA account. Therefore, transfers of assets or gifts that you put in one cannot be revoked nor can the account be closed. Now, you can open multiple accounts, as I mentioned, but you cannot close a UTMA or UGMA account. And once the minor reaches adulthood, the custodian must turn over all the account assets to them. And then the the new adult can manage the account any way they wish. Now, if the child dies, the assets typically are payable to the child's estate unless you've designated another beneficiary. Like if you have um, that child's sibling as a beneficiary, if that's an option, that may be one way to make sure that those assets kind of move along. But you'll really have to look at what's possible for these accounts in the state where you live. Another downside of these custodial accounts is getting no tax benefits. So unlike a 529 savings plan or even a retirement account, contributions and earnings in UTMA and UGMA accounts offer no tax benefits. The earnings are subject to federal and any applicable state income taxes and have to get reported under the minor beneficiary's social security number, as I mentioned. A third con is it can affect federal financial aid for the minor. So since the minor beneficiary of a UTMA and UGMA owns the account assets, those get reported on the free application for federal student aid known as the FAFSA. Unlike a 529 savings plan, these custodial accounts are a more significant factor in the calculation for need-based financial aid because the child owns them. And the FAFSA counts a student's assets at a higher rate. They count them at a rate of 20% compared to 5.64% for assets owned by the parent. So in other words, colleges and the government for student aid, they figure if a child has money, that money ought to be used for going to college. So, you know, they look at that and count it against you when it comes to qualifying for student need-based aid. So in other words, having a UTMA or UGMA with substantial assets means your family could receive less financial aid for college. 
However, if you have a high income or a high net worth, your child would likely be ineligible for student aid anyway, and that could make this con unimportant for you. The fourth downside is having no future financial control. So as a parent, another drawback is that once the beneficiary reaches the age of majority, you've got no say over how they spend the money or use the assets. You have to give them control. They legally own it once they reach the age of majority. And as a parent, you don't get to decide how they spend the money. You know, you may have thought, well, little Johnny's going to spend all this money on college. Well, You know, when little Johnny turns 18 or 21, he may decide, you know what, I don't want to go to college. I'm going to use this money to buy a home. So as a parent, you would have literally no legal say over how the child spends that money that you've saved and invested for them. All right. And the last downside of these custodial accounts is paying income taxes. I mentioned that the income generated by the assets in a UTMA or UGMA is not tax deferred, and it does get subject to the kitty tax over a certain threshold. So again, there are a few considerations here that, you know, you really want to look at if you're thinking about a 529 college savings plan versus UTMA or UGMA to use for a child's college expenses. So Asher, I hope this clarifies the UTMA rules for you. I'm so impressed that you're already setting money aside for your infant daughter. And a a question I often receive from parents is, when should they start investing for a child? Like, you know, how early is too early and what's the right age? And I will say saving sooner is always better than later. There's really no right or wrong answer when it comes to this for families because it just depends on your financial situation and your goals. Every parent wants the best for their kids, but it's also critical to make wise decisions for your own financial future. So if you don't have an emergency fund or you haven't started saving for your retirement, that's where you should start. That's what you need to prioritize. If you jeopardize your financial future for your kids, you may have to rely on your kids to support you in your old age. And while it might seem cold-hearted for a parent not to save or invest for a child. Don't forget that kids typically have options, especially for college, like working, getting college scholarships, getting federal student loans. But there are no loans or grants to support you in retirement outside of Social Security retirement benefits or maybe a workplace pension if you're lucky enough to have one. If you're struggling to save for yourself, but also thinking, gosh, I really want to save for my kids, remember that if you end up being a good saver down the road, you could end up with a surplus of money and you could use that money to help a child pay their student loans, you know, other debts, or even leave them inheritance one day. So the bottom line is that you've got to make wise decisions for your own financial future first. Only set money aside for your kids if you can genuinely afford it. Ideally, you should regularly save at least 10 to 15% of your gross income for retirement before saving for your kids. Asher, thanks so much for your questions. That's all for now. I'll talk to you next week. Until then, here's to living a richer life. 
Money Girl is a quick and dirty tips podcast. It's audio engineered by Steve Rickyberg with editing by Adam Cecil. Our advertising operations specialist is Morgan Christensen. Our digital operations specialist is Holly Hutchins. And our marketing and publicity associate is Davina Tomlin. Tomlin.